Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. Lord, indeed, we believe we will never be the same again. Because when your word comes, our destinies get reshaped and reformed. When your word comes, enlightenment comes. When your word comes, direction comes. When your word comes, revival comes. When your word comes, the Holy Spirit is able to do what you want to do in our life. So we say that our minds are alert. Our hearts are receptive. Lord, as your word is taught, Holy Spirit, fall upon us. As your word is taught, Holy Spirit, enter into us. As your word is taught, let something that is not of you leave us in the name of Jesus. Convict the sinning. Save the lost. Heal the sick. Deliver the captives. And edify your church that your name be glorified. We thank you in Jesus' name. And all shall say, and all shall say, Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, we have been talking about the Apostles' Creed. And we've learned about the fact that Apostles' Creed is the summary of what the Christian church believes. Okay. So we've spoken about, I believe, the credo, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and the earth, and in Jesus Christ his only son, our Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus, who curious. Hallelujah. Jesus, who curious. His, his, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, the only, the monogenes, only begotten of the Father, his only son, our Lord. Curious. Now, the next statement which we are going to be dealing with is who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary. Can we all say that together? Born of the Virgin. One more time, louder. Now, when you look at the Apostles' Creed very carefully, you realize, for instance, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the, by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day, the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he seated by the, at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From this he shall come. Do you realize that? Now, listen to me very carefully. I believe in God, the Father. Who is he talking about? I believe in God. Who is he talking about? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heavens and the earth. Who is he talking about? God and Father. And I said, I believe in Jesus, in, in, in the Holy Son, in Jesus Christ's Holy Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Who is he talking about? Jesus. Who was conceived by the Who was conceived by the Holy Spirit? Jesus. Jesus. Born of the Virgin Mary. Who born of the Virgin Mary? Jesus. Suffered and appointed for Who is he talking about? Uh, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. Who? He ascended into heaven and he seated at the right hand of the Father. From there he shall, he shall who is the He? Jesus shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe. Then he goes in. I believe in the Holy Spirit. So you realize that a chunk part of the, so I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins. So it tells other things I believe in. Holy Ghost, that's all. Communion of saints, fellowship of the believers, that's all. Forgiveness of sins. 
resurrection of the body. So these other things we believe. But he realized that he said a bit about the Father and then more about the Son, just a statement about the Holy Spirit and the things. So a chunk of the Apostles' Creed is, is about Jesus. That's what I'm trying to say. Did you notice that? Yeah. It's about Jesus. Now, why is that so? Because it's, we are talking about Christianity. We are talking about what? Christianity. And Christianity is Christ. It's, it's very, very, so the the, the tenets of Christianity is about Christ. You can't, you can't talk Christianity without Christ. That's why the church must be careful in our attempt to try and attract people. Not to project something other than Christ. That would be mis-selling. Well, come, you'll be prosperous. You'll be, then they come and then, and then just prosperity and prosperity. One day, so, you know, actually it's Jesus. You know, let we, Bible says, Stephen went to Samaria and he preached Christ. Paul said something in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, I did not, when I came to you, I did not seek to know anything except Christ and him crucified. And he said, our message was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but with the Holy Ghost and power. Fundamentally, they preached Christ. That, that, that's Christ, him crucified and resurrected. That's the Christian message. The Christian message is Christ. Now, so a chunk part of the Apostles' Creed Deals talks about Christ. No, talks about Christ in two ways. It talks about the person of Christ and the work of Christ. Let's all say that together. Can I hear you say it again, please? I think you can say it louder. So the person of Christ. So far, we've spoken about the person of Christ, who he is. All right, who he is. So he, who is Christ? Who is Jesus? Uh Our Lord. And the Messiah. All right. That's who he is. Okay. And now we'll be going to focus more about what he did. But it's not so much into details about everything about life. A lot of people think they can separate or divorce who Jesus is from what he did. Those, you can't divorce them. You can't separate what he did from who he is. Do you know why? He, he did what he did because of who he was. And because of who he was, he did the things he did. Does that make sense? In the book of John chapter 5 verse 20, look at John chapter 5 verse 20 and verse 36. And then we look at John chapter 10 verse, I think, 32 and verse um, 37 and 38. Now look at John chapter 5 verse 20. It says that for the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than this that you may marvel. All right. So, um, because father, the father loves the son, he shows him. Okay, uh, shows him the son all things that the father, the father does. All right. So, what the son does is a reflection of what the father is showing him. Does that make sense? Look at verse thirty-six. But I, I, but I have a greater witness than John, for the works which the father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me. His works are a reflection of who he was. What he did, he did what he did. His works pointed to who he was. He is the Christ. He is the Son of the Living God. All right. So when uh, the lady, the woman at the well, was having the discourse with him, he said, "We know that when the Messiah comes, he will do A, B, C." Jesus said, "He who speaks to you, I am He." John chapter four. All right. I, I think verse twenty-five, twenty-six, somewhere there. He who speaks to you, I am He. So. They, they were expecting a certain works by the Messiah, which they expected that when the Messiah comes, he will do. Um, now, in John chapter 10, look at John chapter 10 again. In John chapter 10, verse 25, 
John chapter 10 verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. Okay, so the works that I'm doing, the works that I do bear witness of who I am. In John chapter, uh, look at verse 36, sorry, 37 and 38. Chapter 10, verse 37 and 38. Jesus said, um, if I do, verse 37, if I, if I do not do the works of my father, don't believe me. So my works, my works should tell you who I am. Look at verse 38. Verse 38 said, if, if I do, Though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I am him. You can't divorce his works from who he is, who he was, or who he is. Hallelujah. I like the way he puts it in John chapter 14, verse 10 and verse 11. Jesus was always pointing to the fact that his works were a reflection of who he was. John chapter 14, verse 10 says that, do you not believe that I'm the Father and is being? The boy which I speak to you, I do not speak with my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, okay, does the works. All right, so his nature, who was in him, or who he was, was why he was doing what he did. He came to die for us, but the works he did were was important. When in his human living, the things he did. Now look at verse, the next verse, verse 11 of John chapter 14. He said, Believe me that I, I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. So I've showed you for about five scriptures that the works that Jesus did, you can't separate it from who he was. Right? So we talk about the person of Christ and the works of Christ. Because it's his person that gives credence to his works. It's his works that point to who his person is. God did something in times past. From the beginning. He prepared the grounds. He prepared the world for the coming of Jesus. In two ways. The positive preparation and the negative preparation. The positive preparation is through the heathen, through the Gentiles. Those who didn't have a relationship with God. Listen to this very carefully. I don't think I've ever said this. He prepared um, the coming of Jesus through the... Two ways. Negative, the negative, through the heathen, the people who didn't know God, who didn't have a relationship with God. And well, how did God prepare the coming of Jesus through them? By letting, leaving them. So he only had a relationship with the Jews and let, left all the Gentiles and everyone to himself. And human beings moved from one level of depravity to the other. People are becoming a bit more civilized and getting to know God. But in the past, Human beings in their basic form worship all kinds of idols. Today, I think in certain parts of Ghana and a lot of other parts of the world, but I can talk very much about Ghana, Anim- animism. Currently, in certain parts of the, uh, of the country, you don't go fishing on a Tuesday. After yep. now. Why? Because the gods are sleeping. The sea must rest. You don't have to go and disturb the sea god. All right. And... You don't play loud music. You have to play soft music. No noise, no noise. Because the gods are doing something special for harvest. Now, and so, recently, I think still it's, it's ongoing. They are having big issues with churches. So you can see how people behave there. And then, against the culture or the tradition where a whole man, there shouldn't be noise. And you want to tell them they won't make noise. There was a time it became a big issue. People went into churches attacking them. 
because their God is resting, you are disturbing their God. And so, the point here is that human beings in our basic form don't, can't know God by ourselves. So, if you leave us to ourselves, we keep degenerating. We keep, the, the, the level of spiritual ignorance is grim. And so, that pointed to the fact that human beings outside God himself stepping out to us, we will go astray when it comes to spiritual things. So, that prepared the grounds for the coming of Jesus Christ and for the expectation of the coming of Jesus Christ. And as well, the Jews... He, he selected the people and through them, prepared them and teach them one monotheism, one God. So whilst the Gentiles practice polytheism, pantheism, and all kinds of theism, or atheism, the Jews only had one God and they kept it. And then he also, he gave them the laws. He gave them the laws. He gave them the pro- prophecies. So before Jesus was born, there were so many prophecies about Jesus Christ. There are so many prophecies about Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. So many prophecies about Jesus Christ. About who he is, what he will do. So God prepared the ground for Jesus. So when he came, there was a a widespread expectation. The grounds were already prepared. And at least the Jews, um, they they were were farmers. But because of punishment, God gave them due to apostasy. They turned their back from God. They were captured. The kingdom was divided. They went to Babylon and all that. They, they learned different other, other things and trading. Jews were not tra- traders by um, culture. They didn't do trading. It's farming. But because they were exposed to other cultures, then they start, some of them started learning trading and now they are top of the game when it comes to trading. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So God prepared the grounds for the coming of Christ. And so when Christ came, there was a widespread expectation. Now, we are talking about the virgin birth of Christ, okay? He was conceived conceived by the Holy Ghost, not by a man. Now, I want to take this short time to explain why he's coming, because it's all part of his coming. Isaiah chapter, let's look at Isaiah, chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7 Thank you, Jesus. Verse 14. Isaiah 7, 14 talks about how for God himself will give you a sign. Okay. Isaiah 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. All right. So a virgin shall conceive. That's a very strong statement. That's a very strong statement a virgin shall conceive. And as I said earlier on, why the virgin birth? Why the, the, why must, okay. The, the main question here is that was his virgin birth necessary for his redemptive work? Right. Shall I repeat that? Was his virgin birth necessary for his redemptive work? Before I answer that question, the virgin birth was a necessary fundamental um, Monolithic, uncompromised, the, 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 uh, uh, the early church, the virgin birth, for about, for the, especially the first century and the second century, and throughout to the 19th century. But the first they, 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 the virgin, they appear the virgin birth, birth very highly. Everything about Christ, his work, as I said, his works. You know, what they did was, they, they didn't, they did, you can't separate Christ from his work, even though we can distinguish 
his person from his work. So sometimes it's good to distinguish the things he did from who he was. This is who he was, but you can't separate them, right? They, one of the main things that the early church didn't play with is the fact that he was born of a virgin. It was necessary for them. Now, there's this argument. If the, Watch this. This is a good, very good theological argument, which um, is good to know. If Christ, the virgin birth of Christ was so essential, how come that two of the gospel writers were silent about it? Mark, you didn't say anything about the virgin birth. John started in the beginning of the word and he didn't even talk about the virgin birth. So this, the argument is if the virgin birth was so essential, how come Mark didn't say anything? But all of them spoke about his death. But how come they didn't say anything about his virgin birth if it was so essential? And guess what? The one who wrote most of the New Testament, what's his name? What's his name? Paul. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. New Testament is 27 books. He wrote 13, 13 of them. So practically half, more than half. 13 of them or um, 14, one is distributable. Paul wrote the New Testament. And you know, we keep referring to Paul. If you want to understand Christ, his death, his work, you have to go to Paul. Yeah. You can't understand the church without looking, reading what Paul, the Spirit of God said through Paul. So Paul is so essential. Guess what? But Paul never said anything about the virgin birth. So how come if the virgin birth is so important, Mark didn't say anything about it, John didn't say anything about it, and Paul didn't say anything about it? The answer to that is, you have to read your Bible very carefully. Paul inferred it. He implied it. Mark didn't say anything about it because Mark was completely silent on the first 30 years of Jesus Christ. Mark didn't say anything about his first 30 years. He started with his baptism. So it, it, at least it makes sense to understand why. Because his focus was not his early years. His focus was just his ministry. So Mark, and then how about John? John said in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and God, the word was God. But in France, he was trying to, the, the word existed before he existed. So for him, for him to be born and John is believed and you, it's, it's just safe to conclude that John was Learning credence to Matthew and Mark. What Matthew and Mark have said. He, he, he picked, he continued from their narration. Do you understand what I'm saying? So John didn't just write anything. But he bought that in mind because he knew what Matthew and, and then he took it upon himself to write the rest. Mm. Alright, so, um, and then when he started, he said in the beginning was the word. Mm. And the word was, now th- that means that the word pre-existed. He pre-existed. He was before he was born. Right. Physically. So if he was before he was born, then his, the, his birth is not a normal birth. How many of us were before we were born? He told the Jews that, uh, John, chapter, John chapter 8, verse, I think 56, he said, your father Abraham sought to see my days and he saw it and was happy. He said, what do you make of yourself? You are not yet 50 years old and you claim Abraham, uh, 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 you see, was Abraham saw his days and was glad. Go to the next verse. And they said that um, you are not, verse, the next verse, that you said, you are not yet 50 years old. And you say you've seen Abraham. Then he says that before Abraham, I am. Okay, I am. Before Abraham was, he didn't say I was. He said I am. Then they pick up stones to stone. This guy's crazy. You make yourself equal with God. 
So he's always been, and John took time to talk about the, the deity, the Christness or the, God, the godness of, of Christ. Now, so why, I've explained why John, Mark, and Paul, if they didn't mention it, it doesn't mean it wasn't essential. It was, okay, how about Paul? Paul practically said in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, he says that great is the mystery of godliness. Because he said, great is the mystery of godliness, for God was manifested in the flesh. So, can you imagine? God manifests in the flesh. God himself show himself in the flesh. Justified in the spirit, sin of angels, preach among Gentiles, believed on in the world and received into glory. God, Paul, Paul said God money. So, by inference, he meant the virgin birth. Who, in Philippians chapter 2, verse, verse 7 and verse 8, talks about, even though he was in very form God, very nature God, he took upon himself the form of a servant. He took a form, he made himself of no reputation. Verse 7, he, he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a born servant and becoming in the what? The likeness, the likeness of man. All right. So in the likeness of men, he came like, he became like men. And then verse 8 talks about, and being found in the appearance as man. He was there already, but he was found in the appearance of man. So that is why he came in the form of a man. Now watch this. Let's go back to the main thing now. Why the virgin birth? Why necessary is it? Is it necessary for our redemption? Number one reason for the virgin birth, because it fulfills a prophetic declaration by God. God said, the sign, he'll give you a sign by himself. A virgin shall conceive. Uh, Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. A virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son. All right. So it's prophetic. His virgin birth was purely prophetic. Everything about Jesus Christ was prophetic. His death, where he was born, how many people died when he was born. Uh, everything about Jesus. The Bible said that, that it might be fulfilled in the scripture. That it might be fulfilled in the scripture as it is written. Jesus told the Pharisees that you see, you search the scriptures thinking that the, you'll find eternal life. And the scriptures are pointing to me. So they are looking for eternal life. They go to the scriptures looking for eternal life. And the scriptures are all talking about him. And he has come, they said, you don't receive. John chapter 5, verse 39. He said, you search through the scriptures, knowing or thinking that in them you will find eternal life. And these scriptures, and these are that which testify of me. The scriptures are testifying of me, and I've come and you don't receive me. So, one, is, is prophetic. Number two, very important. Number two, when I, when I got born again in my early days of Christian life, this is what I was made to understand and it's true, okay? And that's all. The reason why Jesus Christ was not born with the involvement of man is, I was told that, because if he is born like, which is true anyway, if he comes like all of us comes like, then come, then he's not different from us. What, how different is he from us? Okay, so that means he's not different from us. So watch this. Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Um. You see, there is two things. There's one thing, when you talk about sin, there is original sin and the sins that we commit. A child doesn't have to do anything to be a sinner. By the fact, the virtue of the father, he was born into the human race, he's a sinner. Born, David puts it this way, um, in sin did my mother conceive me. Right. So, everyone, we, when we talk about sin, we talk about original sin and the sins that we commit. Jesus didn't commit sin and he didn't have original sin because he was not born like every one of us. 
He came now and wrapped himself in, with, in humanity. So he, he wasn't, initially he wasn't human. Okay. Initially he wasn't human. But because of us, oh, I like Hebrews. I don't want to divert from what I'm talking about. Because when you got, Hebrews says that because his brothers were flesh and blood, he himself also took part in the same. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 13, 14, uh, somewhere there, 12, 13. Because, by 11, 12, 13, yeah, captain of the, because his brethren were flesh and blood, he himself also shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who has the power. So Jesus Christ had to come and die. Say, inasmuch as the children of a particular flesh, but himself likewise shared in the same, talking about flesh and blood. Why? That through death he might destroy him who has the power of death. That's the devil. So he shared in the same. He became like you and I. So he can save you and I. Right. He became like you and I. Had, watch this. This is where I'm going. The next point I'm going to make. He had a human nature. So his virgin birth, that, that one, the necessity of the virgin birth so that he cannot have the original sin. He won't have the original sin. Because, watch this. The, the one to save us when I got born again, this is how I understood it. Elite this and it stayed with me. You know, they used to sacrifice the, the blood of animals and bulls. And, but, but it's not possible that the blood of boots and goats goes to cleanse us from sins. It's not possible. Right? Why? Because they are lesser beings. We are higher beings. So, okay, a typical example. Uh, someone stole my goat. And kill my goat. Okay, he must replace it with his son. It doesn't matter. He can have um, 12,000 sheep. And maybe you, by accident, took a machine gun and killed them. You can't say replace him with your son or your goat. The value of a goat doesn't come anywhere or any animal, not even a lion. If a lion in the zoo, which is bringing a lot of money to the owners of the zoo, jumps out and is trying to attack someone, it will be put down. Because human being is val- more valuable than a lion, than any animal. So that, in that sense, and the blood of an animal, it doesn't qualify to cleanse you. It's not, it's not anywhere near. And now, the blood of your fellow cannot also cleanse you because we are all in the same boat. So then you need something that is higher. And we need a blood. So we needed a blood. Oh, oh, Jesus, hallelujah. I want to just keep myself so I don't go to... In in First Peter chapter, in First Peter chapter one, verse seventeen and eighteen and nineteen, it talks about you are not redeemed by corruptible things like silver and gold. All right, verse eighteen, you are not redeemed by corruptible things, redeemed by corruptible things uh, like silver and gold from your uh, aimless corners. But verse nineteen says that, but by the precious, but with the precious blood, did you see that precious blood as a lamb without blemish or without spot? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, Bible says that he who knew no sin was made sin for us. He knew no sin. He was sinless. That's why his blood could save us. Because the blood that saves us must be sinless blood. No human being can die for another human being. You can't. Because you don't have what it takes. To, so long as God is concerned, so your blood can no, it can it can do. So Jesus' blood is there. That is why he was born by the virgin by the, of the Virgin Mary. Bible says he was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary. 
the virgin is necessary. Conceive of the whole, not conceive with a con- communica- uh, inter- interaction with a man. He didn't need a man to do that. Because if Mary had a man, that's why God waited for her to be espoused and not yet married. Because if she was married, then by implication, she wasn't a virgin. And well, it's obvious. She's pregnant. That's the husband. The husband, they all know that it was. So God waited and God waited. For, she had to be a virgin. So that it's clear that he hadn't had any interaction with a man. That's why by the Virgin Mary, it's connotes that no interaction with a man, no human involvement. How did it happen? When the angel looked chapter 1, verse 33, 34, 35, when the angel appeared to her, he says that you are about to conceive and give birth to a child. And then Mary said, watch this, go to verse 34. Look at what Mary said. Look at verse 34. Mary said, let's all read it together. Let's go to the angel. How can this be since I know no man? You don't have to know a man in order to conceive the Messiah. Mary admitted, I don't know a man. So what you're talking about can be. Now, when Christ, God interrupted with human genealogy supernaturally to bring himself amongst men. He had to inter, inter, inter. So it was creatorial, creative. Like in the creation, God said, let there be, and left everything to run by its, its own cause. When it was time for him to come, he did something which was different. That is why the Jews were used and were, were familiar with miracles. Because for the rest, it's open for them to pass through. It's strange. These are miracles. So they knew that God works miracles. And one of the miracles and the signs is that a virgin was going to conceive because it needed to be a virgin. God interrupted human genealogy or human, the, the normal way of... Uh, happening to to wrap himself why did he have to do that so why the virgin birth his blood must be sinless he himself is sinless and hebrews chapter 4 talks about he was tempted yet without sin so he didn't do any sin and yet he wasn't also born with original sin i like the way jesus put it when they brought him to pontius pilate and they accused him, when they brought him to pontius pilate and they accused him Pontius Pilate said, I, behold the man, Ekahomo, behold the man. And he says that, I find no fault in him. He says himself, told them, which of you accuse me of sin? Anyone, come and accuse me of sin. And so when they brought, the, oh, in John chapter 8, he, verse 8, when they brought, <laughs> when they brought, John 8, 8, but John 8 is not so similar like John 8, 7. All right. When they brought the woman before, caught in adultery before Jesus Christ, John 8, 8, 8 talks about he was just writing on the floor or something. Again, he stood down and wrote on the ground. So nothing yeah. exceptional, but it's very powerful. The finger that wrote the commandments, the finger that wrote the commandment on stone. So when they accused the woman, he, he bear, was writing kind of commandment on the stone. And when he lifted up his face, he told them, any of you who is without sin, Verse 7, look at verse 7, quick 7, look at verse 7. And when he continued speaking, he raised himself up and said, He who is without sin amongst you. He didn't say just let me throw it. That didn't be the first one. You started, then the others with sin would continue. The Bible says that. After he said that, he continued writing on the floor. And the next time, and from the high priest, from the top amongst them to the least, everyone. 10, I think verse 9 and verse 11. Every one of them began, and then they, who, who, uh, and those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went one by one, beginning from the oldest even to the last. Everyone knew that boy. You got issues. So Jesus said, Anyone without sin, let him throw the first stone. 
And then they left. Then Jesus lifted his eyes and told the woman, where are your accusers? I like that one, verse 10. Hallelujah. Where are those who are accusing you? Where? Today Jesus is asking someone, where are your accusers? Where are your accusers? Because they themselves, when we bring them under the microscope of God, their faults in their webs in their life is more. So when the microscope fell on them, they said, okay, let's stop talking about sin. Let's talk about Jesus said, where are your accusers? The woman said, they are gone. Noah, Jesus said, Noah has condemned you. No human being had what it took to condemn you because every human being was sinful. That's right. No human being had the audacity to condemn you because they caught you in sin. And he said, any of you without sin, let him throw the first one. Everyone left. And I like what Jesus said. The verse 11 is very powerful. Jesus said, neither, oh, oh, no one. The woman said, no one. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. Someone shout hallelujah. There is now therefore no condemnation. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Shout hallelujah. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The only problem is the charismatic church. We take the neither do I condemn you, but we leave the other one. <laughs> and then we come to church. I'm no more condemned. That's all I want you to know. Third reason. First reason is prophecy. Second reason is because he had, to, he had to be sinless. Third reason is because of the, the early churches, churches, the church. The church had an understanding of the Trinity. Though the church's understanding of Trinity makes it, it's, it's, it's even a weightier one, but we can't go deeper into it. That's a major reason why he, had to, he was born, they, they believe he was born, and he was born of a Virgin Mary. The church's understanding of the Trinity. What has the Trinity got to do with this? This is very important. This, this is very important. Watch this. Can I have the Trinity, please? <laughs> so, you are taller. You stand here. Stand in the middle. So, this is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay. What's the Trinity? God the Father. And when someone asks you what's the Trinity, if you say God the Father, it's one God. But what? Three persons in one God. Right. Three persons, three persons in one God. Three how three words? Three words. This is very important. Three words. So the father is what? A person. One person. The son is one person. The the spirit is one person. Now you can if you, if you multiply this and make it two people, two persons, it's 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 not true. Because the son is one person. So step out, son. But the one person had two natures. Every one of us who was born by our parents, we are, you are a person. Everyone is a person. Now, if Jesus, Jesus had a divine, was he a divine person? Now, if we, he wasn't born by the Virgin Mary, then he would have been a human person. So there would have been two persons in one. No, it's not two persons. It's two natures. Mm, I think it's getting deeper for some Two natures. All right. So, two nature or human nature. So, Jesus had the full human nature. He cried. He was a baby. He, can you imagine? He developed in understanding, in knowledge. He grew. 
All right. So that's what happens to human beings. He was fully human. Now, I don't want to go too deep, too much into the controversies about around the nature of Christ. In the early years, some people con- they they said, "No, Jesus Christ is is some believe that he's not fully man. He's just God and he has some uh, they put it this a God who has undergone mutation. Others also believe he is a man who has been deified. So some believe that at his baptism, some spirit without measure came on him and that's what made him go before. Because before his baptism, you know, the Bible says he wasn't doing anything. He didn't do miracles and all that. But after his baptism, his ministry started. So there are some people who believe that when he was born, after his baptism, he became God. He had the divine nature. It's wrong. Jesus was God, very God from the beginning. Very God and very man, but without a mixture. So his godness and manness didn't, was not confused, or they joined into, they turned into one, they fused into one to form a hybrid, a third nature. No, he had human nature, he had the divine nature, and he was fully man and fully God. That's very important. Let me explain something quickly. So he is. One person with two natures. What's a nature like who we are? So God's nature is that he's God. He cannot cry. He knows everything. He, the attributes of God. That's the nature of God and the nature of man. Right? Jesus himself, Jesus was fully man. Was fully man. And I, I want to run you through some text scriptures. You can write them down quickly. Acts chapter 2 verse 2 talks about how Jesus Talks refers to Jesus as man. Acts 2.22, he said the man Jesus Christ, he said, men and brethren, uh, Jesus Christ, a man attested by God. Say a man. man. So Jesus was a man. All right. Jesus was a man. Romans chapter 5 verse 15, he talks about through one man, sin entered the world in the same way. By the uh, the free gifts, for if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of of the one man, Jesus Christ. So he was man. Amen. Amen. Jesus was man. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21 also talks about the fact that Jesus is man, or he was man. Now, for since by one man death came, by man also. So Jesus had to be man. That's why he was born. If you are not born by a human being, you can't be a human being, right? That's why you, angels cannot be human beings. They can't. They, because you have to, to be a human being. That's why the devil uses people and uses things. Because he cannot, he cannot be a human being. The devil is not a human being. Yeah. All right. But Jesus Christ, he became a man. Human being. By man also came the resurrection of the dead. And that man is talking, that's why it's capital. Jesus Christ. In First Timothy chapter 2 verse 5, 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 said, there's, there's, there's one God and one mediator between God and man, even the man um, Christ Jesus. Right? So he's man. Say he's man. Now, why the virgin birth was necessary because um, the triune God, three persons, one person of the triune God wrapped himself with humanity. He wasn't, he didn't become all man. He, even though he was fully man, he was not only man. Hello? Yeah. He was not, because he stepped down. Yeah. 
Philippians chapter 2 says that uh, verse, verse yeah, we read it earlier, verse 7 and verse 8, where it, it talks about he, he, he took him upon, but made himself, go to, go to verse 6, let's look at verse 6. Even though who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal. When you read some, go, uh, ampli- put the amplify, let's see how he puts it. The amplify, and then uh, possibly we go to the, um, who although being essentially one with God, and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of God, of the attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to equally grasp and retain. All right? Because when he came as man, that's why they beat him and they killed him. You can't beat God and kill him. He didn't leave his godness, but he brought himself under the restriction of manness, humanity. So he brought himself under the restriction of humanity. That's why he was born. He grew. He died. All right. He cried. Bible says he wept. He was thirsty. He was hungry. He sweat, and all that. This, these are human attributes. And so he he brought himself in this restriction, even though he was God. He didn't hold on to limitlessness of godliness or God, the attributes all powerful, all knowing everywhere, and restricted himself into humanity. So. He was born of a virgin because he existed before as God and he's always been God and God was born by the virgin. So it still appealed. One, one person of the Trinity was in us. Even though he was fully man, he was still fully God. This is very important. Listen, this is so essential to the Christian faith that if you miss it, Satan will get you. Because your belief defines your destiny. I'm telling you. Your belief defines yourself. Someone said, well, all I need, I need a miracle. What is a miracle? What is a miracle? On what grounds are you looking for a miracle? Yeah. It's so essential the things we believe in. Yeah. As I told you, our faith is not empty faith. It has data. Yeah. It's, it's factual. Okay, so there, there are facts that make, that compel. So someone was sharing with me that, you see, when you were teaching on faith yesterday, pastor, I was so blessed. Someone said, I was so blessed. Now when we talk about, and God said, and God said, it's not like something that I accept. I, it, it, this is how the, I loved it. Maybe I'm sure you say that later. So I will say it during the second. He said, it now makes sense that it's rather absurd not to believe. It's irrational not to believe because the sensibility of what God does, the fact behind what God does, not believing makes you look like a fool. So faith is not some, something ethereal, something that is not factual. It's factual. So I remember in Bible school, someone said, oh, I just want to know more about Jesus. And you are telling me theology and this, this. This is, who, when you say Jesus, who is Jesus? Theology. That's why I took my time to teach on Christ. What does it mean, Christ? Because I was saying, I just need a miracle. I just need a miracle. From who? From who? Who should do it for you? And why would she do it for you? Why do you think you are, you are entitled to a miracle? So it's necessary to understand who Jesus was and who he is. His person and the things he did. All right. So he was born of the Virgin Mary. I've spoken about three persons in one God. I've spoken about his man. And I've spoken about Mark and Luke and everything. All right. And so the fact that Jesus Christ is God makes it imperative that he cannot be born like normal man. So the virgin birth was so necessary to underscore or underpin the fact of the Trinity. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. The Trinity is three persons in one God. Not because if he was born fully by a man and woman, I like when Mary said, I know no man. It's a good one, isn't it? Mary said, I know no man. And the angel said, you don't need to know any man. God will do it himself. Because God, what God was going to do, you know what God was going to do? Let's say I'm God, all right, and I want to appear as human being. So what God did is, this is humanity, okay? This is humanity. So this is humanity. And so that's the Virgin Mary. God comes and takes humanity, wraps himself with humanity, and was in Virgin Mary's womb and was born. So he himself came and took it. All he needed was Mary's permission. So the angel went and told Mary. Mary said, I don't know a man. How can this be? He said, I don't need to know a man. The Holy Spirit shall come upon you, verse 35, and the power of the highest, the most high, shall overshadow you. Therefore, uh, that Holy One who will be born will be called the Son of God. That's, see? God the Father, God is the Son of God. Because he needed to be virgin birth. And then, do you know what Mary said? Mary said, that be it unto me. According to you, behold, I am a handmaid. Said, behold, I am the handmaiden of God. Verse thirty-eight. Mary said, behold, the handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be unto me. Let it be to who? To me. Can I? Let's all say that together. Let it be to me. Say to me. To me. According to your word. And the angel left. That's what the angel was looking for. Permission. 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 Give me the permission, and I'll come in your womb and wrap myself with humanity. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at caris.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Caris Ministries. Stay blessed.